I didn't want to go viral on a Sunday. This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Bad Girls. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nook Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the domesticated and wiry Justin Waddell. Justin, how's it going? I mean, I don't know. How's it going with you? You know, not too bad, I suppose. We had a movie recently where somebody asked how things were going, and the, and the person said, I don't know. I can't remember <laughs> which one it is. <laughs> Is that Heaven's Prisoners? No, it was before that, but that's that's how I'm feeling. But you, you, it's going okay with you, you think, huh? I mean, it's not bad. It's it's picked up. It was a, uh, things were weird for a little bit. Now I feel a little bit like things are starting to less weird. So that's good. everything's everything's okay on the health front. Yeah, yeah. I was a little worried about some stuff, but you know, bleeding's over now. So, so yeah, me so too. far me I'm too. continuing to dodge COVID. How that's about you? A, that's the that's the good news. Yes, I think so. You know, but um, my dad's a little sick right now, so we're 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 kind of tracking him. You know, see see how he's feeling. Yeah, seems to be doing okay. But you know, you get nervous. Yeah, because COVID's swimming out there. Yeah, it's, it's it swimming, hates, it's swimming it, the earth. It hates a large percentage of us. It does. It doesn't. It's too bad they didn't have like a podcast during like the bubonic plague or something you know oh, it's, it's coming back so don't worry don't you worry don't you fret your little head it's coming bubonic plague is on its bike uh, do you did you ever own a rat by the way you're i've always had rat. rats i've had many rats i love them to death love right. them to death I, my one of my first pets that i had as a that was my pet was a rat mm-hmm. and i had mice too and they they screwed like crazy and made little mice all over the place and you did you raise those little mice? I did, and I had to. You have to get them out because sometimes the parents will just devour them. So you have to you have to get those little cuties free before Dad comes and just bites the living half of them. Because I've so I've found half of mice before. They eat their young, is what you're saying. They can. They have the skill. Oh. They have the skill set. Yeah. Um, but you know what's cool? Um, mm. They'll just keep making more. Like it's like it's the, it's like Dunkin' Donuts, man. Well. They need to eat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, if you've seen a set of mouse or rats nuts, you know they got plenty to spare. Do they have big a big sack? They got little hand cannons down there, man. These things are fucking massive. I sort of... You think it's like a, a Bespin cloud car growing underneath that bitch. But anyway, uh, no, COVID's being dodged. 
<laughs> getting ready to go on the road for a little bit, see what that's like, you know? Where are you headed? I'm going to be hitting COVID over. country. Yeah. COVID I country. Yeah, I'll be in Nashville. I'll be in Huntsville. Hopefully, yeah. I'm not in, you know, the, the, the disease ward. You're going but, all the Vils. Yeah. 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 Krill so, DeVille. Uh, yeah. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to watch Coop DeVille. How do you prepare, like, when you go out in the world? Like, what's it like? Are you wearing armor? Like, what's, you know, are you shielding yourself somehow? I know masks, but beyond that, face shield? I know. I got got the mask. I got a little squirt of hand sanitizer here and there. I avoid people. Mm -hmm. I touch zero, you know? (laughs) You touch zero. I touch zero people. I heard, I heard Fauci say that. Yeah. He said, he said, touch zero. It's, it's like De Niro and Heat. When he could have just said, we don't want to hurt anybody, but he go, he says, we want to hurt no one, which I think is, is such he, an adorable way to, you know, you're, you're in a very high tension situation, armed men are around you. And he says, we want to hurt no one. It sounds so much more genteel that way. And how does that work? Uh, people are fine. Survivors aplenty. Yeah. So guys, yeah, I'm dodging it. I'm going to be out there. You know, I, I'm hoping, uh, to interrupt my COVID dodging considerably throughout the week as I read the comments that people are blasting at us, you know, we just going nuts on Instagram, going nuts on Twitter, going nuts on Facebook, going nuts on those message boards that I don't think a lot of people even know exist. I think it's safe to say that we have a podcast that people pin their ear lobes to. Is that? Yeah, it's a technical term that's often used. Yeah. And it's just... Uh, you know, I think we have so many listeners that it's hard to track, you know, the, the normal tracking software, whatever the stats have done work. You know, it's great, though. And mm-hmm. I mean, our podcasts are not short, but oh. I will say this for our podcast uh, after, you know, because I listen to quite a few. We don't we kind of get to it pretty quickly. We don't linger too much with this shit at the beginning. There are some that I've I listened to that it's an hour and 20 minutes before they even start discussing the topic at hand. And that blows the living shit out of me. Like, uh, like Mark Maron's podcast. He's always, no, his is like 12 up. minutes, 12 or 13 minutes. You know, if you, like a run up. if you yeah. click it to the 12 or 13 minute mark, you're pretty good. Mm. No, like there's this one that I listened to that's about uh, Faith No More. It's literally an hour and 40 minutes before they start talking about it. Their, their episodes are like three and a half hours long. Oh, goodness. And there was another one, some true crime things where, you know, people are so busy with their own uh, their own brand that they forget about why they're in this shit. So, you know, we're do we're not great. We don't have the mastery of brevity yet, but at least we don't waste too much of people's time talking about dodging covid. Are you listening to any covid casts? I don't. I mean, I listen to I listen to like podcasts that are being recorded in the midst of covid, like Rob Lowe, his new show, which I absolutely love. You love it. Yeah. Love it. It's my favorite show right now. I love it. And actually, he has a, he had Mike Myers on two episodes ago, and Mike Myers said some pretty amazing stuff. Amazing okay. stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I've never been a fan of a lot of his work, but mm-hmm. I love what he had to say, and I like him a lot more having listened to that. Uh, and David Spade too. Like these, like uh, Rob Lowe is a great conduit for uh, for that kind of stuff, and his show is a must listen. Way oh, better dude. than that Deacon's bullshit. I like David Spade. I'm not listening to that Deacon's cast. Uh-uh. So, guys, it's a movie microscope. It's a show in which we zoom in. You know, we we we, we watch a film on a few d- different dimensions, you know, with our eyes, with our ears, with our epiderms. Like, we really kind of put everything into it, and we glaze, like, all over it. And uh, it, we become one with it, and, and eventually we, we have to be removed from it. 
And then whatever is left that's not still sticking to us, we know are the are the moments that make or break. You know. So if we were to, talking about the squeeze, we didn't talk about the scene where Michael Keaton finds an embryo under the ice. We'd be talking about the little moments. Oh my God, the squeeze! It's, of it's, which, it's, of which there ahead, are sorry. many in today's film, Bad Girls. I mean, I saw the squeeze in the theater. Did you? Uh, no. Give me, let me give you the one thing I remember. From I think Radon Chong's in it, though. Give me the one thing I remember from Tell it. Tell me. There's a room full of TVs at some point. There's a big, like a room, and then the, you know, it, 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 it's like a cliche sometimes, but like there's somebody and there there's TVs on top of TVs on a wall, you know, like back in the day, old TVs with different things on the different TVs. That's all I remember from that movie. And then the architect shows up and bores you to tears. I think Ray Don Chong is the love interest in the squeeze. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a Twin Towers element to the poster or something. It's like on the that. poster. And Ray Don Chong is a love interest in another, like one of your favorite movies of all time. Quest for Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commando. No. Uh, you're losing me. Uh, I'll give you a hint. See Thomas Howell is the lead soul man yes <laughs> can i One zoom in movies. yeah tommy chong's daughter mm-hmm. okay that's true yeah and can i zoom in yeah i think i think discovered chris pratt i might be mixing her up with somebody else though and if i could zoom in even deeper biracial Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and she was a big actress in the eighties. I do. You, is she still around? Is she still killing it somehow? She's still great. Is she showing up? You know, I'm surprised she hasn't become sort of a, a personality in in this uh, COVID world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Because great name, great name, by the way, great name. Um, I'll tell you the facts. She is a uh, she's alive still. Uh, she has a uh, started with she, a big she, one. Oh, holy shit. One, two, three ex-husbands. Holy smoke, she was busy. Can I tell you who one of them was? Uh, I don't know. Apparently, love bloomed on the set of Soul Man. <laughs> oh, shit, she got married to C. Thomas? She married the living shit out of C. Thomas Owl. He changed his first name to Chong. And the funny thing is, is she also married somebody named... Nathan Ulrich, and he knows in parentheses, it tells you his fame. He is the, one of the founders of Zooter folding kick scooters. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's is, that's rough. Is he still is she still married? No, they got she she sent him packing in 2014. Uh, but mm-hmm. to answer your question, she's semi still relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, she appeared. She appeared on two episodes of Nine One One. That show. Uh, I think that features. Was that Josh Duhamel or one of those folks? I think Rob Lowe might be on Peter Krause in that shit. Peter. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. right. Rob Lowe's on some fireman show. But listen to this. I'm not lying to you. Radon Chong discovered Chris Pratt, Pratt when he was working at a Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Bubba Gump Shrimp yeah, Company. That's true. Which we've which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And she said, "I think you look like." So a future megastar. You know what I was, I was thinking about this after I got out of the shower today. Here's a, here's a big one. I was thinking, why don't why didn't they make him Muldoon's son? 
in Jurassic World. What? <laughs> or Muldoon. better, Muldoon from the first film, The Hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. And then it I thought, of, and then I thought yeah. of uh, how much better Muldoon is as a character <laughs> than Owen. I just, his name's Owen. I don't yeah, even know his name. I find myself craving Muldoon, which was the name of my new blog, by the way. I was thinking about tweeting uh, just Muldoon and then a greater than symbol and then Owen. I didn't want to go viral on a Sunday. <laughs> the best part I keep thinking as you as you're making me laugh here is how you talk about how we get right to it. <laughs> Let me put it this way: I'm getting right to the stuff that that interests me about this episode. <laughs> what movie are we doing today, Nick? Uh, Bad Girls. Your views in the title. <laughs> yeah, so Owen Grady is his name, by the way. Yeah, it's a super name. Um, what's right. uh, what's what's uh, you know, what's her face's name? Raynaud Grace John? Dallas. Oh yeah, she's Grace great. Dallas I Howard. love her so much. But what's her name in that series? Do you remember? <laughs> also Owen. Um, what she's got a name as well. Um, she goes by Claire Deering in those films. Mm. Now, granted, we got some good, you know, some good stuff coming up in the new film, which I believe is underway. You got Chris Pratt and you got Bryce and you got Sam Neill and Laura Dern coming back. You got Jeff Goldblum return mm-hmm. also returning much to everybody's desire. Jake Johnson as Lowry Crothers, who couldn't, you know, everybody needs him. No, La- he, no Lauren Lapkus, though, huh? No, but let's talk about the real secret weapon in the Jurassic series. The most no, important character. I, I, car- I know we're, we're, we're in the same boat. Who's the most important person in the entire series? B.D. Wong. Fuck yeah, it is. B.D. Wong's star dark man. A great actor. Yes. I'd say. Yeah. A great actor. Yeah. And not used very well necessarily in Jurassic Park, but at least he's getting paid, you know? Yeah. And he, uh, I don't know if you knew this, B.D. stands for Big Dicked. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's got a giant specimen, and uh, his parents knew it right out the gate. <laughs> Learn English just to name him. All right. Okay. <laughs> so this film's from the director of The Accused. Are you serious? I am 100% serious. Well, there's an accused moment in this film. There is. Yeah. Um, I, I, and then in, in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is um, I had... Okay, so going into this, I, I don't think either of us had ever seen this film before. So I went to this film expecting a feminist Western. Yeah. And I think the actresses signed up for that, by the way. And they're still waiting. They're still waiting. Yeah. This is a troubled production. You know, uh, you, the director, what was his name? Jonathan Kaplan. Correct. He took the reins over from Tamara Davis, who directed like Billy Madison, 
CB4, I think. She's a kind of co- comedic director, but she's still working. She's a pretty good director, I think. Yep. And they didn't like, I think she, they didn't like certain things she was doing in that first week of shooting. They replaced her. Yeah. And they recast <laughs> roles. The whole thing was re- mm-hmm. redone from the ground up. Right. They sent the, they sent the four main actresses to cowboy camp so they could learn to ride uh, horses and stuff. But yeah, I think that they, and they rewrote the script, but I think that one of the complaints was they wanted to make it, the studio wanted to make it sexier. You know, it's a, uh, Tamara Davis was injecting some, like you said, some feminist elements into it, and the studio balked at that and went nuts and haywire. Yep. And so then we got what we got, which was a pretty bad film. Yeah, it's a really bad movie. Um, <laughs> really. But we don't judge at the movie microscope. We zoom no, in. we do. We totally zoom in. Um, and that's why we're going to tough this one out. Because we we got some time to kill here, but you're right. She has direct, and she's she's made good on her career. She's done fine. But the thing is, is okay. So we've done a lot of movies lately that take place in the night or that were filmed in the '90s. So we're in like a little '90s kick here. Mm-hmm. And you think about there have been a few a- attempts to make westerns that are female centric with different results. Um, most recently, I guess Jane got a gun with uh, with Natalie Portman, which I uh, never did see. No, no. Also, we, tr- also a troubled production. Yeah, yeah. episode one seventy two. Um, can't wait. Um, yeah, but no, obviously quick and the dead has a female protagonist. There's, there's a few that have been done that, that, that do that. But, you know, we talk about tone so much on this show. This may be one of the best examples of, of, of the tone of the film really hurting it, really, really keeping it from being anything memorable as a sexy Western or as a feminist Western or as anything worth remembering. Well, that's the none. thing is, I, I heard someone talk about sometimes that movies are like scams. Like you put a package together, you sell an idea, and then the movie just, it's just a bundle of ideas that don't really go anywhere. And this movie really feels like that. Like um, there's not really too much of a plot. I mean, there's just not much that happens in it. Um, you know, the actresses kind of give it their their best, but. You know, the only one that really gets a lot to do, I'd say, is Madeline Stowe. Absolutely, like she, absolutely. Yeah. And she is she actually gets she gets a character to play in this. Um, I don't really think that many other people do. Yeah, that's no, that's true. The, the, the weird thing is, is whenever you hear about actors poo pooing on a film that they've made, typically they'll say negative stuff about movies that were failures, like box office mm-hmm. failures, critical failures. Not as often because so much is subjective. And typically, mm-hmm. some of the films that um, don't register critically are the ones that they're most passionate about. This one is one of the rare exceptions where all of their negativity is g- very well-founded. Drew Barrymore what, really loathes this movie. Well, you know, that's and she's got a connection to Tamara Davis. She brought, she brought her on because I think she had directed a movie with Drew Barrymore that turned out really well called, I think called Gun Crazy or something. Yeah, I, I, hated, I hated that movie, if I remember correctly. So... You know, and then, <clears throat> and so then, yeah, so it's just like she had a uh, a hand in, I guess, crafting what the movie did, you know, was going to be, and instead of what it turned out to be. She I brought, think she almost, she almost walked. She too. brought she both of her, both of her leads from that movie to this project. Was it growing that? Yep. Movie Microscope. I'm going to call him a legend, even though he's you only, because he hasn't been in enough episodes to qualify, but that guy is. Every time I I have chosen to watch movies simply based on his name, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Well, yeah, a highlight 
in this movie, I'd say. He has some moments in this that work. Playing against um, type a bit. I also think Drew Barrymore is a highlight in this movie. I like all the main actresses, really. Um, Mary yeah, Stewart Masterson is probably the most short-shrifted, I think. She is, and, and is she, especially since we just watched her in Heaven's Prisoners, where she was great, it's yep. kind of hard to watch her in this. Yeah. And I've always been sort of an anti-Drew Barrymore person. I don't know why exactly, because she's had such a good career. Like They made her look like a billion dollars in this movie. Yeah, she is. And she also gets... I mean, she gets at least she gets to be angry a little bit in this. Whereas Andy Andy McDowell gets she just kind of playing a comedic character that's that, silly. That is an, that's an embarrassing uh, little subplot going on with Andy McDowell. Yeah, but she's you know she's she's uh, romantically paired up with James Legros and and um, you know they they have a little bit of chemistry together. I, I believe that relationship. I invest. See, I'm invested in it. I wonder could, what they. What they did after the movie, you know? Yeah, well, they that that was their first plan was to do the sequel just about them on the farm. But mm-hmm. the weird thing is, is yeah, okay, you say they have a relationship, but it seems like he's being taken advantage of for most of it. He is, but he's into it because she's cute. Oh, remember? And he and he and he doesn't care about her past, and I think he has a little bit of a tragedy, just like she does, and it doesn't matter. Who cares? They didn't really go into it. What's her name? Here's the thing. At the end of the movie, I wasn't sure of anybody's name, really, but but uh, old Cody. Cody Zamora. Yeah, Cody Zamora. Well, that's a pretty pretty catchy name. Cody Zamora, and they keep bringing it up. I mean, Eileen Spencer is Andy McDowell's character, um, Mm -hmm. and this is the second film in a row where the term whore tricks could be employed. Um, They say whore a lot in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my least favorite words of all time is in this movie a lot. What? Pinkerton. Oh, God. And Jim Beaver shows up. So let's let's run down the young Jim. Young, young. I mean, we get to see Chindland in his youth. Young Beaver. And they're paired up. Oh, my God. It's what a waste to have. You have you have those guys in this movie. uh, That's almost enough to justify a ticket price right there. And they are used not at all. The only there's Jim only Beaver. one person who is having fun in their role in this movie, and it once again tone. If there was a different film, it would work perfectly. But as a, as it stands, the delightful James Russo sticks out like a sore thumb because of him being the only one who got the memo. Well, he's playing a cra- he's playing a crazed villain. I don't think it's necessarily a great performance, but he gets to laugh a lot. I know, but evilly. there's en- there's energy. There's energy mm-hmm. to it, and that's I'd that's say Barrymore. Barrymore has energy, and Stowe's, I don't know, stoic throughout it. But I get it. Anyway, let's let's talk about the about the plot, and let's talk about the cast real quick. Go ahead. We kind of hit on the cast. Well, the cast is we got Matt Maddie Stowe from the Stakeout series that we love, the beloved Stakeout series. Mary Stuart Masterson, got Drew Barrymore in this. Andy McDowell, I think that's her. I think it's Andy McDowell's first appearance on the microscope. Welcome. Unfortunately, not the last. Why? What? What are you talking about? I loathe her. I loathe her. I do not loathe her. She's a. I loathe her. She's fine. Don't she's loathe in, her. She's in a lot of movies I like, so you know she'll show back up. I, I was once at a, a poetry reading. That's all you, you can met, stop right there. That's all you need to say. He he wrote a poem about Andy McDowell, and he kids he had he he saw her dancing once, and he wrote a big a poem about it. 
And then he afterwards was embarrassed that he Smart read man. it. And I said, I said, you should be embarrassed. That's and an embarrassing you, thing to write a poem about. And you should have beat the living frig out of him. Should have just that pulverized man, him dead and bleeding in the street. That man's name was T.S. Eliot. <laughs> so then you had James Russo, James Legro, Dermot Mulroney, totally Jim sucks. Beaver, Nick Chinland. And so what this movie's about, Nick, why don't you tell us? So dig this. Our, 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 our four leads are prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're also women. And uh, back then in the West, first of all, women did not have fair rights at all. It's about time. I'm so glad everything's perfect now for women because it was really weird back then. They were prostitutes. They were completely taken advantage of, and they take matters into their own hands and are punished as a result and forced to go on the run. Now, all they want to do is settle down, take some money that's been put aside, settle down, get away, start a new life, live the American dream that we've all been promised. But what happens, Justin? So what happens is they struggle to get that American dream, Nick, and they encounter so many roadblocks, including the script, including the director, I imagine. Yeah. And the cinematographer. Anyway, so at the beginning of the movie, Mary Stuart Masterson, like an innocent kind of prostitute, new new to the game, I'd say. Her widowed, she's been kind of forced into prostitution because of finances. And um, she has a customer named the Colonel who is running around chasing her it's his birthday he he can't wait to i don't know get yeah. it all over her right exactly and he wants so, to spill spill big time and she's she's like you know tr- trying to kind of be into it but she's not and so then they start to fight that spills out into the hallway where everybody in the saloon and everybody in the whorehouse can see this struggle between these two people including Maddie Stowe, who I think Madeline Stowe seems to be the madam of the house. She's, you know, she's introduced and she's playing cards with the gentleman. So the colonel starts to beat up Mary Stuart Masterson because he's not getting what he wants. He pulls a gun. He starts shooting up the place because he's so mad and drunk. And Madeline Stowe then shoots him once dead. She she knocks him into hell. (laughs) Yep. And that does not sit right with the men of the town. That is correct. So they're going to hang her. And, you know, one of the staples of great Westerns is there's always that scene where somebody is about to be hung and there's a great sequence where they rescue them. This film doesn't pull that off at all. Well, that happens. It happens, but it's inert. It's nothing. So the other three, other three ladies rescue, um, Madeline Stowe from the hanging and and there's a preacher that's involved he's the you know a preacher he's like you know talking about sin and he's like can't wait to see someone ha- see, see a, a prostitute hung he gets knocked over by this rescue effort and then his his little bible gets trampled nick did you take a screenshot no i didn't no okay no. <clears throat> so anyway they depart they leave they leave town and then they're they're talking about their plans they're like how are we going to what are we going to do now that we're retired from this life of prostitution that we hate so much? Um, but unbeknownst to them, they get hired by the Colonel's wife who is in one scene 
It seemed like she was going to be a major character. The way she acted in that scene, I was like, oh, we'll be seeing her. Nope, you see her once. She hires the Pinkertons to pursue the um, the ladies. And the thing is, the Pinkertons aren't even the... You think those are going to be the bad guys. They're not really the bad guys. They're kind of bumbling. Right. So what? 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 who is the true bad guy of this film, Nick? Well, What's going on? I mean, so Madeline Stowe has a history. She used to run with a crowd. She used to run with the with Kid Jarrett's crowd and Frank Jarrett, the Jarrett family. She used to run with them and probably, you know. Not, th- she ran, ran with them, but she was also almost their prisoner. She's she because they because they they talk later on the film that they had like taken her when she was 14 from wherever she was working and they abused her and she became part of the gang. But she has since left this outlaw outfit. But she, but she would, meets back. Up but she was she was associated with them. Mm-hmm. And so. We discovered that they're the villains of the piece, basically, because the uh, the, the, the poor uh, Cody Zamora is just trying to get her money out of the bank. Meanwhile, her friends are keeping watch. And who shows up at the bank while all this is going down is Kid Jared. Right. And there's a moment where they kind of kiss and there's like there's a little history there. And you're not sure, is this going to be her love interest in this movie? Are they going to be partnering up with these these rogues and taking on the Pinkertons? Or, as we discover quickly, they take her money. Or, or a less interesting path. <laughs> yeah, or much, much less interesting path. <laughs> And, and and it's just weird that that scene sucks. Yep. Well, it's 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 weird because like she's trying to get the money out, and then this bank robbery starts happening, and then she knows the bank robbers, and there's like this romantic connection between Stowe and James Russo, and you know, and he he seems like he's playing a pretty like heroic sort of like Robin Hoodish, um, and then he takes her money, like he takes her like the money that she got out, and then she later says the, to the lady, she's like, he took the money because he wants me to come see him. Like that's his way, which of, is like, ridiculous. She goes to see him, and you think, "Oh, this is going to be cute," and then it's not cute. He bullwhips her to shit. Like he <laughs> and he, he keeps her money. Who knows what else he does to her? And then he she, he puts her on a horse and for Dermot Moroni to find later. Oh God. Yeah, Dermot Moroni, who is a guy. I want another person who's almost worth watching some films for. Mm-hmm. Thanklessest, the thanklessest of the thankless roles he is granted here, and he got he got a kind of a troubling cowboy accent, Nick. Well, he you played little. That? He played Dirty Steve though in Young Guns, and he was great. Yeah, he 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 lays the cowboy stuff on thick here. Stowe doesn't even go for it. I love it. She just has no no accent. She's just Stowe. Yeah, and then this thing proceeds on rails. It does. Now let me so. The preacher calls Stowe the, a scarlet temptress, but it sounds like he says a scarlet tetris, <laughs> which I thought I like I thought that better. Like, yeah, it'd be better. It, it, the script would come to life a little bit. Um, let although, me just go through my notes. We're although speaking here. of like Tetris had the best music ever in video games. This movie had the, the best, probably my favorite composer of all time doing the score. And I don't remember one lick of it. There's an interesting. There's an interesting. Who's a who's a composer? Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, there's an interesting moment in this film where there's a snake that attacks them, and <laughs> it, you just hear the snake. Then you they hear them shoot the snake, but you never see it. No, you get you see it, it later. 
Yeah, then she's then you see her uh, stow skinning it, but they don't show like any. There's they didn't. There's no snake wrangler on the set. No, there wasn't a live snake zooming around. No, Jonathan Kaplan. One of the big things he said when he came over onto the production, he said, "I don't care what Tamara said. All of the snake actions happening off screen, or I'm walking." That's how we, that's how we did yeah. it on the accused too. <laughs> I think that he might be afraid of snakes. What do you think? I wouldn't be surprised. Fuck that guy. I wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, any movie that talks about like homesteaders claims, by the way, boring. Count me. In. Count me in. <laughs> I'm so into that. I love that. Um, Madeline Stowe. Her whole her whole, a lot of stuff that she does in this movie. She just kind of looks. Um, she looks like disinterested. You know, she got that look on her face, like she's like, oh god. You know, again. Um. Actually, you know what? There, this film does have a neat, a neat kind of virtue to it. Is you can watch this film and see on everyone's face how how much they hate being there. <laughs> well, and so then I read that note about how they wanted to make it sexier, you know. And I was like, okay, so how's this going to be sexier? And then there's this this moment in the movie where all four actresses are naked in a lake bathing together, mm-hmm. and I guess that was the director's. He's like, don't worry, I got you guys. I got you on. But it's not really that revealing. It's just. No, it's not. But I mean, I guess maybe that's what they're looking for. More moments like that. And that must be how they did the scene where Drew Barrymore is showing her wounds off to the guy in the jail, too. They're trying to make it so cute. And then Drew Barrymore does drop some nudity into this movie. A little bit. Mm -hmm. Hey, what did you think of Cody Zamora, a.k.a. the honky tonk harlot? Yeah. Oh my God. And oh, and let me say this: there's a wanted poster that—that's what it says on the wanted poster for her—that the Pinkertons are carrying around, and that Dermot Moroni he caps—he catches up with the ladies, and he says, "Look, I'm an ally. Uh, I wanted to warn you guys that the Pinkertons are on your tail." Um, and he shows—he shows Madeline Stowe the wanted poster, and he says, "The likeness doesn't do you justice. She, she's naked at this point. She just got out of the lake." And she's holding a gun to him completely naked on him. And, and and he says, the likeness doesn't do you justice. They cut to the wanted poster. It's an exact likeness of her. It's like with perfect. But she's, but she's clothed. <laughs> well, I'm just going to zoom in. I thought that's a great drawing of her. Yeah. I mean, there's no mistake. And that's her, you know. Yeah, it's that's very Madeline Stowe. It's it's identical. Mm-hmm. But, but if he's saying that the likeness doesn't do justice... Uh, Obviously, he hasn't seen the work of like Sergio Aragonese because that that shit is tight. So after this, they head into a town called Agua Agua Dulce. Yeah, of course. I'm gonna zoom in. Yeah, stands for it, it means candy water. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it does. Yeah. Um. And that's when Legro comes. He he enters the picture, and he he does like a his first thing is he does like a he trips up some stairs because he sees the beauties in town. It's like a town of all men, and then there's these four lovely ladies, and he does like a pratfall entrance. Yes, he does to show that he is stunned by their beauty. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let, let's great just, movie though. Did you take the Facebook quiz? Which which bad girl are you? That was very weird. That was very weird because I came up Robert Loggia. 
We didn't mention Robert Loggia. He's in this. He's also, zoom in, James LeGros' father-in-law, or was. In real life? In real life. Fucking weird. You know, he left us, right, Mr. Loggia? He's no longer walking uh, on the correct side of the soil. He isn't. He, uh, I think he left us a few years ago. Yeah, actually, yeah, five, five years ago. Uh, what's your favorite? A gra- like a gravel, a gravel-voiced actor. Yes, and then do you remember he had this mini revival in the in the early two thousands, where there was a commercial, and he shows up, and one of the kids goes, "It's Robert Loja," as if anyone remembers him. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. Who, who, what was it for? Oh, I don't remember the commercial. I didn't, I didn't zoom in, but there was a commercial where the, the hook of the commercial was that somebody recognized ultra celebrity Robert Loja. Yeah. You're going to ask me what my favorite Robert Loja performance was. I know that you're going to ask me that. It was. I was starting to. Or what's your quintessential? I just remember he was in The Believers. And I remember he was also in the... What was the movie... With uh, the follow-up to Landis's yeah. Innocent Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, Innocent yeah. he Blood. explodes. He explodes in that movie. Um, okay, It was a Minute Maid commercial, by the way. <laughs> it's Robert Loja. Yeah, like that was the big hook. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you do? He shows up in their kitchen, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and they're incredulous. Uh, not that a fucking stranger showed up in their kitchen, which is terrifying, but that it was mm-hmm. Robert Loja. And they the director's cut of the video is... They recognize him, and he shits his pants because he was not expecting that. Did he? How? What, how was he slinging Minute Maid? Like what? How was he? Was he threatening to the kid? Hey, kid! I see this card. Yes. Almost yeah. All the way yeah. Full. Now keep in mind that the quintessential, the correct answer is Scarface. That's the quintessential Robert Loggia movie. Oh, and he's I in think that? he was still coasting on that. Mm-hmm. Man, I tell you what, though, I would be scarier than Robert Loggia coming in through the door of my house with Minute Maid than the Kool-Aid man bursting through the wall. He, uh, I read his autobiography from Scarface to Minute Maid, How I Fucked Up. <laughs> was Yeah, well, the funny thing was is he, he read the contract wrong. He thought he was going to get to bang a midget hooker. He's like, where's the minute maid? Uh, Robert, uh, you got to get in this fake kitchen. Oh, they use a real, they use a fake kitchen for that. Yeah, of course. Well, you learn you learn so much in this show. Yeah. I could have sworn it was real. So yeah, so um, you think another thing that's why it's so weird is when Madeline Stowe first meets Robert Loggia, like she's got they have like this kind of hey I haven't seen you for a long time. It's like this nostalgia meeting. Later, you find out that he like had been raping her when she was a kid. Like he's an awful person. It's like it's almost it doesn't. The intros that she has with this gang don't make sense. It's, I guess it's, maybe that's part of how the script was mangled, you know. No, um, he he did you t- he did three ten to Yuma. Different different filmmaker. <laughs> different western. Uh, La girl holding the box of just in case you didn't know what it was. There's a big old TNT on front of it. Did yeah. You see that? Yeah, oh, and then the, the box of dynamite. Yeah, and Legros is standing there on the porch with it later on in the film. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And he has a farm, and he he's a, a deputized when things go bad, and they throw old uh, uh, Andy McDowell in prison. Like all this stuff starts happening, and um, 
and Legro, that's when Andy McDowell is like kind of trying to sweet talk, you know, her way out of jail, and which Legro eventually falls for. He's like he eventually let lets her out because he because he really likes her hair. I think she's got the curly hair. Yep, this movie's great. Do you remember the name of his farm? Uh, Troublesome tits. The Circle Bar T. Oh, okay. And it was one of the two. What do you think of the name Kid Jarrett as the villain? I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And but that's the that's that's weird. I know it's ironic, but I would never look at James uh, Russo and think kid of any sort. As a matter of fact, I think he skipped childhood, went directly to grunting in the backseat of cars with guns. Usually a bad guy in film. Yeah, and effective. Usually kind of a very effective. Yeah. I love that guy. Actually, he's another one, you know, this is a shit movie, but I kind of love him almost always. Uh, You know, he brightens my day when I see him. Is he Renee's dad? I wish. He's probably not even old enough to be her brother. Um, He's still killing it, you think? He's still working? Yeah, absolutely still working. Yeah, he he was, I've seen him very recently in something. Um, Black Mass, that's right. Um, I'm trying to think what the big... The big wake up movie was was it Beverly Hills Cop? What was he in? He was in something. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. That was the first movie that I fell in love with him in. Um, and then I think I think uh, State of Grace. He was in a small role, but yeah, Donnie Brasco. So such an intimidating character in that movie. He uh, works a lot, and he's retired to like kind of movies that you never hear of. Like he he'll be in like until the movie Microscope covers him. Like sir. Cerebrum and the Chronicle of a Serial Killer. Like he's retired to like paying, you know, whatever. The Fifth Borough. So all it, your favorites. This movie's a Western. Zoom in. Um, one of the worst. I wouldn't say it's one of the worst. It's kind of it's it's almost it's almost just you can't remember it after you watch it. It's very it's very vague. It's very weird. Hmm. I found myself. It almost feels like. Uh, if you're playing a, a really elaborate video game and there's a fake movie within the movie, within the video game, mm-hmm. that's what this is, you know, where it's not, it's not a real movie because it's, it hasn't even put the effort into it, but it sure as hell looks like one. And you're, and you're so immersed in this VR world that it feels like you're watching a movie and then the movie ends and you feel like a, like you've been cyborged or something. So after, Andy McDowell is released from prison. James Legro goes back to the Circle Bar T, his farm, and who's there? Robert Lozier. Everyone. No, everyone. All the, the whole, all ladies are there. They've moved in with Dylan McDermott, and James Le, James Legro comes home and he's like, he sees he, everybody. He there storms and out, and, <laughs> and Andy McDowell's in there cooking in bare feet. She's got flour all over the floor. And he storms out and he stomps his hat. He's so angry. And then there's this weird cut. There's like a bad, you know, because the ca- they left the camera in one spot. Then there's an obvious cut and he comes back in the door and and says and does a gentlemanly thing and welcomes him into his home, which is the scene where you're like, that's his. That's why he took the part. He's like, man, there's this really big turn that my character has. Well, he, he stomps his hat and then he comes in and he. And he tells everybody that he's been alone for a long time. He doesn't mind. I guess, I guess yeah, I guess company is okay for now. But they really did, like, 
They moved in like pests, Nick. I know he's happy to see Andy McDowell. He obviously has a crush on her. Um, Which she abuses throughout the film. Thermal Maroney, he gets a backstory. This 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 gang, Kid Jarrett's gang, killed his dad, and then he they raped his mom, and then she died, and then he's he's vowed revenge. And the reason that he's in the movie, the reason he's around is because he's following Andy McDowell's character. I'm sorry, Madeline, Madeline Stowe's Stowe, character. Yeah. He knows that she's connected to this group. But as he's following her, as they kind of meet up, and they're also kind of falling for each other. Yeah. This movie's got romance, Nick. Sort of, yeah. But it's fake, and then he dies. He does get killed. Which is he dies worse. after killing Robert Loggia against her will, in a manner against her will. So, yeah, so what happens is Drew Barrymore gets taken, kidnapped. She gets kidnapped, and then they get a hold of Robert Loggia, and they're going to do a trade. But Dermot Maroney gets so mad because Robert Loggia is trying to commit suicide, I guess, and trying to smack talk Dermot Roney. And he's like, oh, I remember your mommy. I remember yeah. raping your mom, that kind of stuff. And so then Dermot Roney shoots him dead. He's yeah. so mad. And then, and then his, and their mad. idea of comeuppance for him is that he dies a lot in the movie because he did a bad thing. But the um, Robert Loja, he, his character, he plays like a troll in this movie, which I thought was pretty interesting. So he shows up. There's that one of the plans the bad guy has. They're gonna they're gonna rob a train, and Robert Loja, when they're planning this out, when Kid Jarrett's playing this out, he comes into the room and he says, "Little boy is gonna rob an army choo choo." That's what yep. he says. Yep, which is cute. And then later, when they actually are robbing the train, they have robbed it. He shows up to smack talk again, like he shows up after the robbery, and makes fun of them for you know a shitty job, I guess. Yeah, and that's and where it- he gets taken. You know something's wrong with a film when a Gatling gun plays a prominent role in the plot. Yeah, that's what they want to steal. Yeah, I mean, I think we're just as we're talking about this movie almost as confusing in a way as the movie. The movie's as confused as we are. Um, We're going to do a good western on here soon enough. mm -hmm. Um, But you want to talk about a genre that's that's sort sort of been mishandled, or you know, there's a that adage in Hollywood about westerns being really death. You know, the genre will never die because it's it's uh, it's sort of a staple, but it's very hard to make a Western that's profitable. Studios hate green lighting them and it doesn't help when films like this come out. Yeah, I mean, and everybody in this movie for a while, the violence in this movie is is basically people getting shot in the shoulder. That happens a lot. You like Like nobody. Yeah, they get shoulder shot a lot. So no one's really getting killed. All the violence is kind of a team ish where there's a lot of explosion at one point Dermot Roney's throwing dynamite by people so the explosions kind of scare them away um and if you do get shot it's just a flesh wound you get like a like James Legro gets shoulder shot and he's got his arms in the sling yes it is um everybody is barely shot until the end when people are real shot I love that though when uh, the girls are riding away you know, the three remaining bad girls are running away and, and LeGro whispers to Andy, that ain't my finger in hand. That was kind of cool. And another thing that they do repeatedly, so people get shot in the shoulder. And there's another thing that's quite more disturbing is that the bad guys, they do that smooch the air thing. A lot, yeah. Like, characters are always like kissing at the at the at the ladies in an intimidating way, like you know, 
like you know like hey but that's not that threatening really it, well i tell you what kind of silly, I, you, know? you know i couldn't help but say thank you in a in, in this covid world we live in thank you for yeah. doing that because it's a it's a safe way to do that you know it's a social distance kiss. And you know what I thought, too, is maybe they're kissing the ghosts. Kissing <laughs> some ghosts there, you know? Which would have been a better name for the movie. Yeah. But did you notice that? Did that disturb you? It didn't disturb me. A little bit? No. Uh, I was have you ever, be- been, have oh, you ever yeah. been smooched at? Oh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you air smooched. Have you met me? Of course. You know, they, people do air guitar. This is like air smooching. Have you, who, who have done, who's done that? Oh my you? God. I can't keep track. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a thing. It's something that happens quite a bit. Yeah. I, you know, I had somebody air, you know, air third base me once, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's. <laughs> do you ever watch that? Hey, that wait, listen, the- in the background. Yeah. Coyotes are howling. Can you hear them? I Can do you- hear it. Yeah. You hear them? Mm-hmm. I do that. That's scary, man. Are you all right? You want to go inside? No, I love it. This is like one of my favorite parts of the night is when the coyotes start making noise. Do you think then they know that we're doing bad girls? I think that's part of it. You know, like, well, this fits in perfectly. All right. I'm going to throw a theory at you and see if you can hang with this. I think the bad girls, I think you can, I think they're very similar to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Stay with me. Okay. Okay. Madeline Stowe, obviously, what's her what's her main role in this movie? She's she propels the plot. She kind of she's the leader, she's leader of the gang, yeah. right? Leonardo, okay, the leader in blue, right? Drew Barrymore, sexy, angry. sexy, angry, yeah. young, hot headed, hot headed, Raphael, okay, right? You got Andy McDowell, uh, curly, curly, like, curly hair, mm-hmm. kind of up, kind of happy, like silly. She's kind of silly, right? Okay, I mean. Michelangelo, the okay. partier. And then you got Mary Stuart Masterson, Donatello for sure, because that's the that's the character you don't really want to spend time with. Disagree. And a little bit nerdy. Disagree. You know, not, not too exciting. You disagree? Didn't Donatello have the staff? No. Oh, yeah, maybe. I think he had the staff and in the arcade he was like the game. Tech, he was the tech nerd. He was the tech nerd. But I think he had the staff, and I think in the in the video game he was the most he had the most range attacks. All right, now let's let's keep let's keep it going. Who would be April? Would that be James Lagro in this? Perfect. Nailed it. And how about uh, Splinter? What? Mm, don't go there yet because I'm not sure who that is. But what what's the hockey guy? Shredder. Uh, Casey Casey. Oh, Casey uh, Jones. Casey Elias Coteas. Yeah. I think that's Dermot. Okay, and then and then I guess James Russo is Shredder. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then Lo- was Loja in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Was he just did he play himself? Who Loja? I think that's a one to one. Yeah, yeah. I, that's great. That's more thought. Don't cut it out. Won't cut it out. I, I think it, it stays. It's, uh, no, it stays. But I, I think the cool thing is is mm-hmm. just being reminded that 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 uh, Elias Coteus was in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film is enough. And he was good. They're like, uh, okay, so we have this character based on this obscure comic, uh, black and white, kind of shitty, Eastman shit, just dog food. Uh, we're making a film, you know, we got we got this foreign money. Golden Harvest is financing it, I believe. Let's get an intense New York actor who's prematurely balding, who is like a 
uh, he's like the uh, you know the DNA of De Niro channeled through a, a a lesser homunculi. Let's get him to play Casey Jones. Hey, a beloved a beloved performance, right? People love him in that well, role. Well, because yeah, he doesn't know how to be bad. He doesn't know how to not be the best thing around. He's always great. I don't think he returned for the sequel, The Secret of the Ooze. I can't imagine. By the way, I was wrong. What? Actually, I was sort of right, but I was more wrong than I care to admit. Because he didn't... He came back for the third Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. So he was in one and two and three, or just in three? What, what's He's going in on? one and three. That. He has a franchise, Elias Coteas does. They got him back... For part three. Of course. That actually makes me like him even more. So Drew Barrymore gets assaulted in this movie, Nick. Not necessary. They kidnap her. They, uh, the bad guys threaten her that they're going to all have their way with her. But then James Russo does have his way with her. Um, and then they, they end that scene with him walking away from her pantsless like a, we get a james russo butt shot they remind you shoulder of, shot did it remind you of douglas and uh, basic instinct a little bit mm, no i think russo's got i think he's a winner okay in the ass department what do you think give me i don't know we'll have, we'll have to watch it a few more times yeah, i know but you know it's an unnecessary scene i think it's but you said the dress is the director of the accused he's in familiar territory yes he is here. yep but Drew Barrymore then gets rescued before she has to be put through any other uh, horrible stuff. And she gets her revenge in the final shootout of this, of this. There's a final shootout where the gals take on the gang. And um, it's pretty awful. It's pretty bland, the shootout, I'd say. Which is exactly what I expected. I, don't, I, I didn't want it to suddenly be good. And Madeline Stowe finally confronts James Russo, her abuser, the bad guy of the film, he's out of bullets. She gives him a bullet because she says, die like a man. He he says, you're dumb. And then they draw on each other, but she's quicker. She's a quicker right. draw, and she ends his life. Now, the thing is, they don't have any buildup to this. They never really show Madeline Scudeau doing any kind of cowboy stuff. She holds guns to people sometimes, but they don't really have her do anything like this before this happens, you know? Right, and then they have to give Drew Barrymore a moment later. So they had this trivial character who somehow didn't die in the gunfight. Yeah, he's a big teeth. Raise, big teeth. raise his weapon, and she shoots him. And it's just it's so bad because this character means nothing. He has like one line of dialogue well, earlier on. He's the second up to he's going to assault her next, right? Like that. Then he then she gets rescued before he does. But he's been he's a very big creep, and he keeps. You know, smooch and air at her. That's the thing. He keeps doing that smooch thing, and then she shoots him. Um, that starts the that starts that sets up the the shooting match here. And he now, lives the thing is, this whole time until the end. There's a negotiation uh, that happens where Dermot Moroni, who is the one that rescues Drew Barrymore, he is then captured. And so the the gals, the bad girls, they 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 have to negotiate. Um, for Dermot Moroni's release with this Gatlin gun. Remember, they robbed the train. They, they, you know, they robbed the they robbed the robbers, and they have this Gatlin gun that you're talking about. So they bring it to this trade, right? And then 
they take the bad guys take the Gatling gun and then they kill Dermot Moroni, which that finally makes the title of the movie, the original title of the movie, makes sense. What was that? Bad at negotiating girls. <laughs> but they when they kill Moroni, Dermot, that doesn't start the gun by a fight. No, of course they're not. They're still just. They're still like, all right, well, let's just leave. What happens is Drew Barrymore gets hot-headed, yep. and then she starts it off. Oh, God. Bad girls. Yeah, so let's talk about Dermot for a moment. Um, how, did that name, how did that name come out? How did that name get born? You're going to have to ask his parents. Is that, you know? is that a name that belongs to anyone else? Is that a name that – is it a mistake? Is it is a real name? That's his real name for sure. Are you sure? Did you look at his wiki? Yeah, his name is Dermot. It's adorable if you think about it. You know what his middle name is? What's that? Kermit. Dermot Kermit Moroni. Almost did that. Almost went. Almost did the three name. But his agent was like, you know what? Let's make history together. There was a big joke on the set of um, Bad Girls when he had when the TNT went off. They almost they called him Dermot the Frag. And it never caught on. Never caught on. Speaking of never catching on, Dermot Moroney. Oh, he's always been good. He's a handsome actor. Uh, but, you know, one of those guys like James LeGros that shows up a lot, gets a lot of work, but never really got too famous. You James LeGros would sell every soul he's ever met to have Dermot Moroney's career, by the way. James LeGros, as a per- I'm sure he's completely fine with his career. Yeah, but Dermot is on a way different level. I mean, my best friend's wedding alone put him in front of way more eyes. Of course. You think that was him, though? Who's who's attracting the audience to that one? I, no, I mean, obviously it's, yeah, the other person, but... Yeah, Julia Roberts, for sure. People are coming to see that. There are people are coming to see Cameron Diaz. People are probably coming to see Rupert Everett before they're coming to see old you know what? Dermot Moroni. But you watch that film now... That dude's the glue. Dermot's the glue. Uh, hashtag Dermot's the glue. We got to start <laughs> start that trend. Dermot's the glue. Um, married to Catherine Keener for a stretch there. Was. Yeah. Was. Yeah. yeah. For a long time, right? For a long time. Yep. And, and, uh, and the divorce papers, um, they they were, they were going to cite irreconcilable differences, but then she just wrote one sentence. She's like, I just realized what his name is. You know, she was she got super rich from the those original Star Wars figures. That's true. She really did. Because they were made by a company called Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny so is he yeah, yeah. Uh, when they were doing, ahead, separating, uh, you know, they were splitting all the goods. Um, mm-hmm. and they had they had this baby grand piano that they both were in love with. Right. And uh they they couldn't decide who gets it. They can't break it in half. That's just bad to the piano. You so, can't do it. No. So they basically said, all right, if it's if it's above this weight class, then Dermot gets to keep it, and if it's below this weight class, Miss Catherine Keener gets to keep it. Mm-hmm. So when they had the ivory weigh-ins, luckily Keener won. So that's good to know. <laughs> so you did read his wiki. So let's do the work. Well, I'm not done because <laughs> I think you didn't realize this, and I know you didn't pick up on it because you didn't zoom in hard enough during this movie. Obviously, you're uh, distracted because you would have brought this up. Okay, there is a horse in this movie. There's more than one. 
that looks like it has a big bruise on the side of his face. <laughs> like a big circle bruise. I did. I've never seen a horse with a bruise before. I don't remember that. And I'm, and I'm thinking, Nick. Did Mongo punch it? I just think maybe there was some frustration and some horse abuse on the set. And maybe the director punched the horse in the face because it wasn't doing the right stuff. And then we're the first movie podcast to break this you know, this this detail of the behind the scenes. What do you think? I mean, could you watch the movie again and and to verify? I can't. Horse abuse? I can't. Uh, although I, I have a feeling that that horse may have been an uncredited writer on luck. I went to moviehorses.com to see if they had anything about this and I didn't see anything. They didn't have a they didn't have a bad girl section. It's a shame. Yeah. Anyway, who fails in this movie? Before we wrap it up, who let's let's talk about all the people that fail in this movie. Jonathan Kaplan, Pinkertons. Yeah, Pinkertons. By the way, can I zoom in? Mm-hmm. Name of an album by one of my least favorite bands of all time. You don't like Weezer? I cannot stand Weezer. It's a good album, actually. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, thanks. Thanks for backing me up. Well, your taste is suspect. Share Dermot Moroni fails. Fail. Gatlin <laughs> fails. Um, the the owner of the whorehouse at the beginning. Every member of the Jarrett gang. Yep. Yeah. Script. Um, so I'll, I'll give this, this is what I was getting. Mm-hmm. No Indians. No, there was no. Yeah. There was. Yeah. Well. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, though. Yeah, didn't hire good- any Native American actors. Didn't have a role for them. And in fact, the one of the women they cut out of this movie, one of the main characters that they rewrote out of was an African-American actress. Of course. By Did the way, yeah. By the way, I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a job title called Horse Puncher? Am I wrong? <laughs> I think there is. Yeah, there is. There's a term. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, they return to the circle bar tea, Nick, and James LeGros there, and he says, "Where, where were you guys?" Because he's not involved in the in the shootout. At the end, he's he's wounded. He's back on the farm, and he's doing something that is so cute. Uh, the way he's that I think makes up for the movie. Stabbing almost. at the hay and 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 half-ass feeding the horse. He is stabbing at the hay with one hand, like he doesn't. His arm is useless, so he's one arm in that bale of hay. Yeah. And, you know, Andy McDowell, of course, then helps him. And all I kept thinking during that scene is I wouldn't mind jumping in that bi- that pile of hay. Well, here, I think that, you know what I was thinking when I was watching that scene? Yeah. Bad continuity because mm-hmm. he's he's stabbing the hay and then he's putting it down and there's a you know a decent amount of hay. Then they have a, a medium shot and there's no hay. There is bad hay continuity in this film. <laughs> Amongst its many transgressions, that may be the biggest Dog shit hate continuity in this movie. You know, I'm not going to, I don't want to agree with you in that one because I, I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> you're saying you're going to make that bold statement. There's bad hate continuity. Yep. All right. It's like yeah, when I went well, to the Men at Work concert and, and halfway through they had John Waite singing lead. <laughs> what, what did you think of the final shot of the movie, Nick? How does it end? I cannot tell you what it was because I was running, celebrating. I was kicking my heels running across the yard when that, when the end credits started. The women sans Andy McDowell, who has been paired off with the grow, they agree to marry. Oh, yeah. They get one more on the Pinkertons one last time. The Pinkertons are still looking for Cody Zamora. They're they're 
they're talking to some people and the the ladies ride up behind them. They don't even see them, but they ride into it's, the sunset. Yeah, it's dog shit. They uh yeah. And yeah, the Pinkertons are interrogating some homeowners or whatever, some settlers. Mm-hmm. And within earshot, horses are stampeding behind them on the escape. Yeah, the Pinkertons are and I have to Chinlin, Nick Chinlin also gets some funny stuff in here. He he wants to give up. He doesn't all the time. want to capture the ladies, and he just wants to eat. Yeah, and Be- Jim Beaver, zoom in. Yeah, played a Pinkerton in this, and then in Deadwood, killed by the Pinkertons. His character. And let's let's zoom in a little further. If you remember, in the last film we did, Heaven's Prisoners, the two baddies were more concerned with eating than roughing up Alec Baldwin. So there's continuity there, uh, you know, because uh, what is it? Toot has Alec Baldwin in a headlock and. Elk is uh, tormenting him, and all Toot wants to do is go eat. So there's, and, and as you pointed out, Alec Baldwin kicks off a lot of sentences in that movie with "Hey." So there is "Hey" continuity in Heaven's Prisoners, Shit, right? Yeah. There we go. We zoomed in. Yeah, this is a That's big good. one. Um, by the way, here's what's even worse for the listeners: we had to rent this movie to watch it. I know it's one ninety nine on iTunes, guys. I, I recommend it. So you can really hear what we're talking about and know what we're describing. It was three ninety nine on Amazon. Did you get did you oh well tell your story? <laughs> so uh I the statute of limitations haven't expired, so this is still a current crime. But um <laughs> I bought a slightly used TV from Best Buy yesterday from my outside patio and set it up. And it's one of those fire TVs, so it has all the apps onto it. And nice. I, I set it all up, and it was great. And, I, I, you know, I wanted to watch the movie outside and relax and enjoy myself, so I did. And I rented it on Amazon Prime, watched it, you know, had an awful time. And then this morning, I was doing some more tweaking on the apps that I have, and I realized I wasn't logged in as myself into Amazon Prime. I was logged in as some stranger who apparently had bought the TV, abused it, and returned it. So right. I actually got one over on the system, and I rented Bad Girls for three ninety nine on his account. So some poor sucker is looking at his uh, Mastercard statement or whatever, and he's going to see that he has a Amazon purchase he doesn't recognize. He's going to look, and someone rented Bad Girls, and he's going to be like, "Someone's renting porn." But the but no, the, no, no, no. But the it funny is. thing is, how I found out that, that it was the wrong account was that he had bought the Harley Quinn movie. Yeah. Okay. And, I, and I, I've never seen it and I've never bought it. So I was like, that's weird because I don't own this movie and it's not available for free yet. And but you could watch it. You could I watch could have it. watched it, but I realized this individual bought it when it was new and watched 12 minutes of it and abandoned it. So I don't think he's going to be too upset about bad girls, to be honest. Do you think, what else did he have on there that we. Could- I didn't. I didn't. I mean, other than, I mean, he had the squid and the whale and he had heartbeats. That's all I could see. Did you log out? I did, and I put myself in because I wanted to watch one of my own, one of my one of my pro- favorites. You know, so I put on. I watched the first hour of the Bruce Willis Death Wish. <laughs> did he? I don't, I never saw that movie. Does he? Does he uh, choose to act at any point in that movie? Or I kind of want to do an episode on it, um, but I will tell you this. Um, yeah, this guy has. Horrendous things happen to his family. 
mm-hmm. and he can't muster, and he can't muster a change in his voice tone throughout the film. Yeah, let's let's do the work. You're at a tattoo parlor, mm. and um, after his jaw hits the floor, you pick it back up and say, "No, I'm serious. I want a tattoo from the movie Bad Girls on me." What are you getting? I mean, I'm just gonna double down on what I talked about earlier. I would get Mary Stuart Masterson's head on Donatello's turtle body from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> and I, you know, just just to prove my point. And I'd put where would I put it, Nick? Where where would that thing of beauty someplace that's be, that gets a lot of sight maybe over my heart that's smart yeah Th- that doesn't get a lot of sight i cover that up but i i would put it there just to remind myself of my of you know one of the things i love about this earth is the connection between bad girls and teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah that's fair which is now proven so right, so go ahead so on my uh on each hand on the smallest finger, I have a, a tattoo of Jim Beaver on one and oh. Nick Chinlin on the other. Nice. I call it my Pinkytons. And so I've got both of those guys down there and I'll flash those shits. And, you know, I don't have, you know, very large ones, but it's, you know, when somebody comes up close and they look and they'll see a rather substantial likeness of Nick Chinlin on my pink, they'll smile. So, yeah, this is this is how much I care you zoomed in on yourself. You don't have large pinkies. That is a, that is a self hit. Yeah. I, is it a criticism? I don't have large pinkies. Is that something you can possibly get insecure about? I guess. I huh? don't. I don't. I like there, it. I've been, I've been complimented on my pinkies. All I know is there have been times when I've dropped something under something, and I can get it. Yeah. Yeah, and I attribute that uh, to my cunning and to my tiny, my tiny pinkies. Have I zoom in real quick? Yeah. Hands a magical thing. I'm I'm going to agree. A vital yeah. tool. I mean, it, I, definitely, that's a good word to use. A tool. Yeah. I mean, Especially it, if you you know, if you've ever lost the use of a hand for an extended period of time, it's amazing how much those tarsals and metatarsals and shit come in handy. They they kill. Yeah. And so you put these two characters on your your pinkies. Who would be on the left? Who would be on the right? A uh, beaver on the left, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, keep their hats, their hats what? on. Like what? Hats on, hats, hats on, hats off. With a wanted poster be involved, I just need to no, picture this. No, it's them standing there with their hands on their hips, like they're waiting for something. <laughs> so perfect. I got it. Um, I got it. In my so you have been uh, given the the financing to finally create a sequel to Bad Girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, some time has passed, but these actresses are all still relevant. Uh, James Russo still alive. Uh, plenty of plenty of great things you could do with it. Where would you take this story? I would continue it. I would do the same thing like the Halloween did for Halloween. You know, one followed directly the minute like Halloween two starts like immediately afterwards. You know, mm-hmm. same night, right? Right. So I would my sequel would be the the ladies, the three ladies, riding off into the sunset, and then the movie takes place from the perspectives of the sunset and the sunset's just trying to run away and not be rode into for the entire length of the sequel. I like it. Cause it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't want to be, it, it's so upset that these, that these women would try to ride into it. That's just dodging them. Right. Much like we dodge COVID, yeah. you know? And so it, I, it would be a, it would be a, yeah, this, a sunset 
And you know the late and the frustrated ladies then would be the villains trying to ride into it. Well, you find out at the end that the colonel's wife got the Infinity Gauntlet, and she's pulling that son away from them. So she went on those quests because she hated these women for what they did. The Pickerdens yeah. didn't pull their weight, so she got the Infinity Gauntlet and got all the stones, yeah. and she's pulling the son away from the bad girls. Right. Yeah, and then I mean, she realized that she could have just snapped, and at least at least two of them were gone, but. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or she right. could have yeah. wished her husband back and done a, a wonderful service to her, you know? You're talking about the colonel. The colonel, what I call him. Her husband. That's fine. I just want to I just want to remember his character's name, the colonel. Yeah, right. I um, like I like anyways, the fact that, that it's a theatrical film and they pop the colonel at the beginning. That's cute. A little movie theater joke. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh uh you uh you're in the movie. You're a character in Bad Girls. Wait, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. You didn't say anything about it. what's your sequel. Not so fast. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I, overnight, uh, they take they take refuge overnight in a cave, and uh, they find a delicious sticky amber substance in the cave, and they're feasting on it. It's honey or whatever, and they are trapped mm-hmm. in it by mistake, and they are preserved for hundreds of years. Uh, and then, so they are trapped in amber in, in the West. And then an archaeologist discovers the four bad girls trapped in amber. I'm sorry, the three bad girls. Um, and he, uh, he, he revives them. And hundreds of years have passed. And, th- and they found out that women's rights have, has progressed rather substantially. Not enough, but rather substantially over the years. Um, they no longer need to wear those crazy clothes. They no longer need to carry a sidearm. Things are pretty solid. Um Unfortunately, the Pinkertons are there and they capture them. They've been hundreds of years searching. They finally got their shit together, and that's that's their fate. A, an extremely geriatric um, Jim Beaver and uh, our boy Chinlin capture them. Yeah. Okay. And it turns out, you know, it's all right. Yeah. I thought you were going to go that you're going to make your, your bad girl park or something. That's why I thought you were going to go with this. No, no. Cause of the trapped in Amber thing. Isn't no. that what happens in Jurassic park to an extent? Yeah. Extract, well, yeah. Extract some like mosquito blood and turn it into dinosaurs. Yeah. And BD Wong, I think gets in there. Yeah. Yeah. Is BD Wong involved in this one? No, 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 but they, they do stop by the homestead where uh, they left their compatriot compatriot. And it turned, they visit and they find two grave sites Turns out she died the next day after they left. <laughs> I did. One thing I thought that was going to happen in this movie was that Barrymore and McDowell seemed to have a little bit of a connection, like a romantic connection. I thought that maybe they were together, but that doesn't materialize. Right. And in fact, at the end of the movie, they just hug and say goodbye. It's kind of tries to be a little bit of emotional. But you did mention Graves. Right. And unlike the other movies we've done recently, there is a grave yard moment in this movie it just happens early on instead of the instead of at the very end yeah you can't you can't make a western without a graveyard it's it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's in the books that's true um so you've been given the ability to uh be in this film mm-hmm. and your character is uh is a part of the, this universe now right so what shape does your performance take man hmm I mean, there's so many 
there's so many places where they could have put a character in this. Yeah, you know, they, yeah, anywhere really would have been nice. Yeah, so many spots. You know, what about you? Do you have any idea? I am a land baron, and I am fucking rocking the coins. I am loaded out, and mm-hmm. uh, they wonder. They like, man, your land is okay. It's not that big. It's like you know, it's a half an acre. The fuck? Why are you so sure. wealthy? And then uh, I don't tell anybody my secret, but on my deathbed, I, I, I share a confession. And uh, there's a big deathbed confession scene at the end in the movie that they cut out where I have a jar. Uh, it's like a swear jar, but it's an air kiss jar. Then I go around grabbing those air kisses and charging people a ransom for them. So that's me. I'm the I'm the air kiss baron. <laughs> Collecting them smooches. Yep. Those faux smooches, smooches. Because there's nothing more embarrassing than having a few kisses out there, unaccounted for, and I've Mm -hmm. got them, and I don't, I don't come cheap. Yeah, yeah. What about you? I'd be the fifth bad girl, I guess. Okay, sure. Bad boy, maybe I'd be the bad boy. Yeah, be the one. It would be be called bad girls and and one bad boy. (laughs) Yeah, that'd just be like a tag along, complaining the whole time. Where are we going? You know, like kind of thing. Oh no, Pinkertons. And then and, I would get. Uh, uh, that's go good. Sorry. No, and your legacy is preserved. Your character. You don't do anything in the film, but your legacy is preserved by the Girl Scouts of America. And they need a cookie after you. What? The tag along. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And so I'd be like, you know, helping them out, all that stuff. Um, I guess I'll just I'll just take a an easy death in this one. All the bad girls in this movie shoot me at the same time, so your shoulder is yeah, decimated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad, bad. The one bad bad girls and one bad boy. Okay, I just can't think of anything interesting that that. But that's fitting, right? If I can't think of anything interesting to do, that's that's perfect. I'm part of the group now. Yep, I have nothing interesting to add. All right, so you've been given the financing to green light your own uh, bad girls related bit of merchandise or, or enterprise. Right. How are you spending them dollars, dog? You know how they have cruises for movies or cruises for TV shows? Mm-hmm. I would do the bad girls cruise. Nice. And then I have to explain to all the people that came to the cruise, all the excited, weird men that came to the cruise that, no, 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 guys, this is, we did the cruise about the you know 1996. Movie Bad Girls. That's what we're going to be celebrating. Nineteen ninety four, celebrating the movie. It's not a Bad Girls Crew. It's not Girls Gone Wild or something like that. This is we're celebrating the movie. We have seminars. Right. Nick Chinlin's on this cruise, guys. Yeah. And then the the crowd's like, well, and once he's done cleaning your room, he'll come help. <laughs> and uh, like, well, do you? Is there any of the main cast here? Any of the any of the titular bad girls? Like no, but we we do have Chinland. Uh, Jim Beaver is going to be zooming in. Yeah, yeah. They have and, a pre-recorded uh, Robert Loggia uh, speech. Hologram. Yeah. The Robert Loggia hologram will be <laughs> will be debuting on this cruise, and then right before we land uh, back on you know back on shore, we're going to have a horrific accident. We're all going to die together. <laughs> so the last thing that you could say when you go to heaven, and they immediately put you in heaven's prison. <laughs> is that I think I was some bad girls cruise anyway. And then St. Peter is like, uh, you were on a bad girls cruise Two two things. First of all, it's a terrific accident. And secondly, <laughs> you're in the wrong place. I mean, those are the two things that immediately happen. 
Well, that's the thing is like, then you have to explain to heaven that no, no, I'm not, I wasn't on some sex cruise. I was, they were, they were celebrating the 1994 movie bad girls. But like, the thing is you mistakenly thought you were on a sex, right? It's just, and then, and then you watch as he lets a bunch of guys in ocean Pacific shirts stroll on by into the pearly gates. And you're like, wait, no, they were, they were spring break. They were on spring break on a bad girls fucking bus and it crashed, but straight to heaven. No problem. I am uh, the. I am an awful person. Um, Period. Yep. And I'm the guy who uh, I, in, I I won the lottery and I inherited a ridiculous amount of money. So I got a double pronger of money coming in. Right. Lottery money and inheritance. I'm loaded out. So what I do is I I invest. I buy HBO. I buy it flat out. And what I do is I abduct the children of Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. And I forced them to turn the last season of Westworld into, it turns out it's all bad girls. Oh, wow. So, so you go back, it's like the house on Haunted Hill, whatever. You know, the hills have houses, whatever that thing is called. Haunting of Hill House. You go back and watch Westworld, and we've inserted all these clues. You know, like you'll see like... Uh, They'll, they'll be like a Robert Loggia animatronic in one of the storage rooms. And they'll have like James Russo will be like right behind Tandy Newton in a couple of scenes. We'll CGI that turns out Westworld's all one big fucking hoax. It's a big, it's a big bad girls theme park. Everybody's all covering out. <laughs> turns out it's you actually you better could, than the real show. You kidnap their children to force them to, to do your will, even yeah. though you own HBO. Yeah, no, yeah, it can't get the you, talent to come by it. Talent would walk. I got to. I got to take this to the next level. So you buy HBO and kidnap their yeah yeah, yeah. their offspring yeah. yeah because HBO is a part of a you know I mean usually when you know somebody buys HBO people are jumping ship if you got a maniac that's owning it you know they're they're not stupid so what I do is what I, do you think the first sign is that you're a maniac <laughs> the first sign the kidnapping or the bad girls forcing bad girls into everything uh, probably buying the lottery ticket yeah. Yeah, so you uh, you're on an insane island. You've gathered all this mm-hmm. debris from films over the years, and now you've got to take a totem from Bad Girl to add it to the conglomerate to really kind of seal it home. Mm-hmm. What do you take and where do you put it? Taking that bruised face horse. You know why I'm taking it? No. You know why I'm taking him? Let's hear. So it. I can be nice to him. I'm Aww. taking that bruised face horse so I can be nice to him, and I will air kiss at him his little bruise, and maybe even land some real kisses on that thing. If it doesn't hurt him too much. And it might be a woman. I don't know. Maybe that horse is a lady. I, I didn't check. And, you know, nice. things in the movie, the the late, the women are abused. All of them have kind of rough backgrounds. And so maybe this horse as well. Maybe the director is smarter than we think. Yeah, I would do that. You know, and I'd, and I'd kiss it and I'd go, hey, don't get out of line. I'd say it cute, you know. Hey, don't do anything wrong on my island. Right. Wink. Don't You don't want a matching bruise. You know, things like that. You right. Know, on the other side yeah, of your like stupid it. head. Your dumb head, you stupid horse. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I'd call it ugly, but in a very yeah. sweet way. You're so yeah. ugly. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. so I'd have that. James Legros would be the horse. That would be my horse's name. Um, but that's, okay. what about you? What's your? What do you bring? Um, in a stunning turn of events, um, I have taken um, a perfect horse with me. That has no markings uh, that are disgusting. And um, what I have done is, uh, you know, you know, you know the scene where they're when they're trying to p- 
pull the bars open so that they can free her from jail. And they have a horse and mm-hmm. carriage trying to remove her. And it doesn't right. work very well. Yeah. So no. I've got that horse, beautiful horse. Um, mm-hmm. And it patrols my island like a boss, completely unshackled, a wild horse in the truest sense. It, it walks freely. Right. Um, and it is delightful. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that if you're lucky enough to catch a glimpse of it, it's like a, a special magical moment because the horse, mm-hmm. you know, it's a sizable Island, lots of attractions. The horse is not the first thing on your mind. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, if you're lucky enough to spot it, um, I capture the horse with tranquilizers. I have a saddle that I put on the bottom of the horse. I put it upside down on the bottom of the horse Right. and you're able horse. to, and I strap you in there with, you know, a, a, an array of bungee cords and stuff. And you get to ride the upside down of that horse. I don't like the implication, Nick. I don't like the implication. Are you saying that my horse doesn't roam free? Is that uh, what you you're trying you, to say? Yeah, a little bit. You seem like you seem to have an agenda for that horse and, of abuse and my ridicule. Horse, my horse is free to roam my island when it behaves. <laughs> Stay so gone. 